0: Welcome to the Green Acres Podcast. We are so glad you're here. At Green Acres, we strive to transform lives with the truth of Jesus. Today's message comes from Pastor Michael Gossett. Today, we're on the eighth commandment. And I just want to, as we come to this um, study and to this sermon today, I just wanted to come clean uh, with my church family here. When I was four years old, I don't know why you're giggling. This is a true story, all right? When I was four years old, okay, way back in the early 90s, I was at this store that used to be very popular, like one of those Hallmark stores. I think there's still some around. Does anybody know the Hallmark stores? They used to always sell like the ornaments and the things that smell funny, all right, but there may be, still be some around today. But I remember my mom always dragging me to that store, and she loved the store, And but there was nothing there for kids. All right, and so when you walk into that store as a kid, my mom just looks at me and says, listen, don't touch anything. In fact, just put your hands in your pocket, all right? And so I'm just walking around this store with my mom, just with my hands in my pocket, like a in a straight jacket. But, but then, as my mom was... Uh, kind of overlooking at something, and, and, and I was there with my family. I have an older sister. Uh, my dad was there. And during this visit to this store, I look over, and it was like this oasis. It caught my attention. There's was this huge wall of Candy. I mean, I was just so excited because this is the most boring store. There's nothing here for me. And so it's one of those candy things that like you just lift the lid and you just make your own. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You fill your own bag, you get your own portion. I mean, it's incredible. It's every kid's paradise. And so I go over to this and I'm like, this is unbelievable. I mean, the people at the store, they must've known that kids are bored out of their mind. And so they just have this candy set up to keep us entertained. And so I just sit Indian style right there on the floor um, and I just start eating that candy. I'm I'm talking like, I just think this is the greatest thing ever. I mean, how did I not know about this? And so I'm just eating this candy, eating and just choosing whatever I want. And then my sister came and ruined everything. She loved catching me do the wrong thing because it rarely happened. Okay. All right. That's a lie. All right. But so my sister just came out. She says, mom, Look at what Michael's doing. He's eating the candy, and I remember for a moment thinking, "Of course I am. Like, why are you not? Like, what are you doing?" But then I saw the look on my mom's face, and I was like, "Oh, that's why." So my mom comes over. She's like, "Michael, how how much of this candy have you been? Have you already eaten?" And I'm two minutes deep with two fists. I mean, just double fisting this right here. Okay. So I have no clue how much, and it was for the first time that I came to the realization that you're not supposed to take things that don't belong to you. I mean, genuinely, this is like the first time that I can remember thinking to myself, oh, you're, you're not supposed to do that. I remember my dad sitting me down, and he says, son, you can't just take whatever you want. It's not how life works. You got to pay for this. And I remember just having that discussion and understanding for the first time, maybe that the Eighth Commandment even exists. And so this is what I want us to do together. There are only three words in this commandment. It's a very short verse, but I want us to stand together just in honor of God's word. And we're going to read it together. If you're willing and able, will you stand with me? We're going to read Exodus chapter 20, verse 15 and it says this do not steal let's pray jesus we ask you god would you take your word that is living and active and father would you teach us what it means to not steal father in our attempts of understanding deep truths father would you not let us would you not let us believe That we have it figured out. God, would you instead, by your spirit, would you press in to the the deeper parts of our heart today, that you may form us and that you may make us more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated once again. You know, it's this commandment and it's the only commandment that is completely open ended. I mean, everything else kind of has an end to it. Uh, who are you supposed to honor? You're supposed to honor your father and mother. Okay, what are you not supposed to do? You're not supposed to murder. Okay, we, we kind of get this. It's kind of there's an end to it, but do not steal is this kind of open ended commandment. Do not steal. It's also one of those commandments, though, that encapsulates all the other commandments. I mean, when you think about it, if you do not honor your mother, you're, you're taking that honor from them. You're stealing honor by not bestowing honor on your father and mother. If you murder someone, if you do not value life, then you are stealing someone else's life. And so this is what I mean by the fact that do not steal encapsulates all other commandments to one way or another. And when we think about this, it's already our tendency to think, okay, I definitely have this one down. Remember before when we were talking about do not murder, it's kind of one of those things that you're like, okay, check, I, I got this down. But then as we dive into it, we figure out that we're, maybe we're not living according to God's standard after all. But but when you get here to do not steal, all you have to do is think, well, I'm not taking much. I don't steal every day all the time you see it's one of those commandments that we easily justify based on its impact to those around us you know what I mean by that like if you take a paperclip clip from work there's very little impact nonetheless it's still stealing right that's what I mean by that. So we we justify our inability to keep this command by basing on its impact. Did you know that Barna released this study a couple years back? And it was talking about the Ten Commandments. And 86% of all adults who were a part of this poll said that they have completely satisfied God's standard of the Eighth Commandment. 86%. What that means is that most of us in the room are probably, probably thinking something similar. That we have this one figured out. I know that I'm not supposed to steal. It's no big deal. I know that I'm not supposed to take things that doesn't belong to me, which by the way, is the most simplest definition of what it means to steal. So we kind of feel like we have this figured out. And if we do, then most likely it's not that big of a deal. Do you see how easily Satan moves in our lives? I'm not saying this for you. am saying this for all of us. The, the primary job of the enemy is to make us comfortable with our sin even in the things that we think have low impact that if we could just become more and more comfortable with our sin the further and further separation we have between us and god you see that's really what the enemy is after in your life and my life and your family and your workplace and name your context if we could just get a little more comfortable with small sins it will get us comfortable enough with the big things. But did you know that every little sin in our lives quenches the Spirit of God in our lives? That even in the moments of where we think that our sin has low impact on the ones around us, that what we are doing is we are diminishing God's work through us. No matter how big or how small, this is how sin works in your life. And so we can't come to this eighth commandment and say, hey, you know what? I got it mostly figured out. And when I don't have it figured out, it's really not that big of a deal. What you're saying is, it's not that big of a deal if I'm quenching the Spirit's work in my life. You see, you can quench the spirit when you allow sin to creep in, when you get comfortable, but you grieve the spirit when you know of the sin and continue on its path. I think that's really what happens with the eighth commandment. Because over and over again, you see so many examples of what it means to not steal through the Old Testament. Primarily it has to do with any monetary value. You can't steal other people's possessions. You can't steal other people's property. You can't steal other humans. That was a big deal in the Old Testament. And these things are were common of the day, but they're just as common for us in our day. And what we need to realize is that even though 86% believe that we don't struggle here, what we do see that scripture teaches us something a little bit different. You know, in Luke chapter 18, verse 11, it says, the Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. You see, I think oftentimes when we look at the Ten Commandments and we think when we have something figured out, it's so pharisaical of us to think in this way because it's no different than his prayer. God, thank you that I'm not like this other person who struggles in this area. God, thank you for that. God, thank you that I'm not like the person who stole a car. I'm not like the person who um, is fraudulent in their dealings with money. Thank you, God, that I'm not like those people There's a warning for us. You know, so many times when we think about a thief, we often think of maybe like the Hamburglar. Does anybody remember those commercials back in the 80s, early 90s? I think maybe it came out in the 70s, but uh, the Hamburglar, I mean, you know exactly how he's dressed. He has striped clothes because he's definitely going to prison. He has a mask on, okay? He has all of these things that he just looks like a thief. Okay, that's kind of our... Where our mind goes when we talk about this commandment that, oh, 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 well, it's, I'm not like that person. I'm not like the Hamburglar that is obviously a thief. But there are other things that God teaches us about this commandment that is different. Because this is what Martin Luther says. I love this statement that he makes. He says, if we look at mankind and all its conditions, it is nothing but a vast wide stable full of great thieves so how are we to understand what that really means to steal well the first thing that we need to identify is the source of stealing the source of stealing there was a guy on april 6 of 2019 that was arrested at a kmart in key west florida he came and he was making an exchange. And so he had this nicely uh, put together this box. It was a Keurig box. And he came to get his money back on his purchase. The other one was this uh, Hamilton Beach coffee maker. Uh, the Keurig was worth about $150. The, the Hamilton Beach was worth about 60 bucks. And so he brings them back to get this money back. But actually what they found out is that inside the Keurig box was a deflated basketball and then inside the Hamilton Beach box, there was uh, this cheap, uh, well-used old coffee maker. Well, he gets arrested, and that's not really uncommon. And in fact, in 2018, there was a study that was put out uh, that, uh, by the National Retail Federation about return fraud, and that it is a staggering $18.4 billion problem every year but what is unusual about this instance is that the guy that committed this crime and got arrested the previous week just one week before bought an entire island for eight million dollars so why was he even trying to make 300 bucks on this poor deal here at best 200 bucks or whatever it is i'm really good at math okay 150, anyways, all right. But what is the deal? So we have to identify, okay, well, what is the source? Because stealing is not always tied to poverty. Stealing is not always because you are faced with this ethical dilemma of, if I don't steal, then my family doesn't eat. It's not like that. It's so much more. And when we first look at the source, the first thing that we see is a sense of entitlement, A sense of entitlement, a sense of entitlement really gives permission to steal. A sense of entitlement really gives you permission to take what actually does not belong to you, no matter what. And have you ever been left out before? Have you ever looked on Facebook or Instagram or whatever the latest uh, platform is? Have you ever looked and you saw a group of friends hanging out and not any of them even asked if you wanted to hang out? why do we get mad about this? Why do we get upset? This is common. We get upset because of this undertone of entitlement that I deserve to hang out with you guys. Like I deserve to be wanted by you. See, entitlement. Entitlement says that no matter what you think or feel that I deserve what I think I deserve. That's basically what entitlement is. James chapter four, verse six says, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You see, entitlement has this false humility. Entitlement disregards humility. And entitlement is unjustly giving us permission to take even what doesn't necessarily belong to us. Romans chapter nine, verse 20 says, on the contrary, who are you? We could just pause right there and have an entire sermon about where our culture is today. On the contrary, who are you? Paul is really setting us straight here. Who are you, a human being to talk back to God? He goes on, will does form say to the one who formed it? Why did you make it? me like this or has the potter no right over the clay to make from the same lump one piece of pottery for honor and another for dishonor you know what paul is talking about he says who gives you the right to say what you think you deserve who gives you that right because here's where we exist in our culture is this me-centered this self-centered culture that what i think i deserve is what is best for you too that's entitlement That it doesn't matter what is best for you. I'm going to tell you what is best for me. You see, when entitlement blossoms in our heart, and you believe you're not getting what you deserve, it always turns into the second part, which is a sense of jealousy. A sense of jealousy. You see, if entitlement makes the statement, this is what I deserve, jealousy makes the statement, you don't deserve. Do you see how these two things work together? And you see how this can open the door to just taking whatever we think is best for us? Whether it belongs to you or whether it belongs to someone else, it doesn't really matter. I think that I deserve this. I mean, when you think about the way that you work, you give all that you can to your job. And so who cares if you don't work as much the next week and you take a little time for yourself. I mean, you deserve it after all. I mean, if you can cheat in such a way to have the upper hand when you rightfully deserve it, but then with jealousy, no one ever deserves anything. You see, this is how it kind of breeds in our heart, within our spirit. Galatians chapter four, verse four says, and Abel also presented an offering. Some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but did not have regard for Cain. and his offering, Cain was furious. You see what's happening with Cain and with Abel? Cain is saying, listen, I deserve to have your favor, God. But Abel, what did he do? He didn't do anything. This is what caused him to be furious with the Lord. And it led him, because it was harbored bitterness, it was harbored entitlement, harbored jealousy in his life. It led him to stealing the life of Abel. You see the same thing with Rebecca and with Jacob as they stole the birthright from Esau by tricking their father Isaac. In Genesis 27, 35 says, Isaac says, but he replied, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. You see, this is what happens. And and listen, I don't know anyone in this room who has ever stolen someone's birthright. But you and I both know of moments in our lives where we have taken advantage of someone else that maybe we have taken advantage of a deal in business or or whatever it may be for you, that you know that you are receiving the upper hand at their expense. This is stealing from, this is stealing, this entitlement, it's jealousy that goes unchecked. But who is it really against? You see, we need to understand the subject of stealing. I mean, this is, what we see first is that in the moments of stealing and taking advantage, who is it against? Well, it is against others. We see that there is a lack of respect for others. Did you notice that there is never a moment when stealing is done in isolation? This is a sin that cannot exist in isolation. That it's going to continue, it's going to grow, it's going to cause you to lie, it's going to cause you to to take things that doesn't belong to you. This is what it says in Leviticus nineteen thirteen. It says, "Do not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages due a hired worker must not remain with you until morning. Do not take advantage of others." Leviticus is teaching us. Do not oppress your neighbor. You see, when we forget the commandment about being a producer of life, that we are to value life, it allows us to not have a respect for others, a love for other people. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 says, don't neglect to show hospitality. For by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests uh, without knowing it. You know, the writer is teaching us is that we are to be careful in all circumstances, that we are to be hospitable to others, not to take advantage of others, but to show them the love of Christ. The second thing is that there's a lack of trust in the Lord. So you sin against others and you sin ultimately against God when we steal, when we take what is not rightfully ours. As Israel was hearing this commandment, you know that they must have been thinking about the fact that they don't have to steal because God is their provider. I mean, all throughout the wilderness, they were grumbling. I mean, it even says in Exodus chapter 16, verse two, it says the entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Moses, I cannot believe you took us out here. Now we have nothing to eat. Now we have nothing to drink. Now we can't even take care of ourselves. But God makes his promise in verse four. He says, then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. This way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. You see, they were to trust God daily for their provisions. They didn't have to steal for it. They didn't have to take for it. Why? Because God was faithfully providing for them over and over and over again. And this is a test for them. This is a test for you and I. That in the moments where we can make a deal that's going to help us out financially, we can do something that's going to give us the upper hand. Who are we trusting? Are we trusting in what we can manufacture? Or are we trusting in God's provision? but what if he doesn't show up tomorrow? I mean, you'd have to think that the Israelites are thinking, listen, I don't know when God's going to rain bread again. I don't know if he's going to show up tomorrow. So the temptation is that we're going to store up as much as we can because we don't trust if God is going to show up tomorrow or not. You see, this is the test that we have to face as God's people. The thing that we need to really recognize is the solution of stealing. I want you to see this dichotomy that we are faced with, because when we think about the solution, you have to understand that in every command, remember, there's a positive and negative, okay? Thomas Watson teaches us this uh, from the 1600s. There's a positive and negative. The negative is do not steal. The positive is we are called to steward. So instead of stealing, we are to be stewards of what God gives to us. And how are we to steward in these things? Well, what it looks like is that there is an absence of greed. There's an absence of greed in your life. And greed is not measured by what you receive. Greed is measured by what you keep for yourselves. So we can't think, okay, someone who is wealthy, somebody who is rich, somebody who is doing well in their business or whatever that is, in your own judgment... So many times people think, oh, well, they must be greedy people. No, greediness is not measured on what God gives you. Greediness is measured by what you keep that belongs to the Lord. See, this is the difference here. And what you and I are called, we're called to live differently. You and I are called to live in a different way. This is what the Ten Commandments are all about. We're not to steal. We are to steward. We are not to live a greedy lifestyle. This is not what God tells us to do. We see this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. It says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Moth and rust, they destroy these things. The thieves can break in and take it. You see, this is what we are not to do. We're not to just store up things for ourselves on this side of eternity, but rather what we are called to do is we are called to steward in such a way that there is a presence of generosity, a presence of generosity. So if you're not called to steal, you are called to steward. You're not called to greediness. You're called to generosity. You see, generosity produces in us Christ-likeness. Why? Jesus was so generous that he emptied himself so that he may go and die on a cross for you. You see, greediness has this mindset of whatever I can do to get myself forward. But generosity says, I want to do whatever it takes to make sure you move forward. Do you see the difference here? Do you see how Christ-like it is to be generous? And it's not just financially. You see, we are called to be a generous people because we are trusting in God in all things that we can be generous with our time. We can be generous with our resources. We can be generous with our finances, absolutely. But we are to be generous in all things. 1 Corinthians 10, 26 says, the earth and everything in it belongs to the Lord. Do you know that every Thing that you have belongs to Jesus. Not 10%, 100%. 100% belongs to the Lord. And you know what the Lord does in his generosity? He says, you know what? You keep 90% and I expect 10% from you. Okay, this is what the Lord's generosity looks like. In Acts chapter two, you see a unique family of God that looks like this in verse 44. It says, now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. You see, this is what the body of Christ looks like. This is what it looks like. Do you know that when you give financially to Green Acres Baptist Church, that every dollar goes to make sure that lives are transformed with the truth of Jesus. This is the only reason why 200 kids came forward this past week and said, I wanna give my life to Jesus because of your generosity. The reason why there are mission teams out right now across the globe is because of your generosity. You see, when we are generous, people see the generosity of Jesus Christ. They come to a realization that why do we give? Why do we sacrifice? Why do we do these things? Because the love of Jesus Christ compels us to do so. But just like the Israelites, we have so many excuses that would prevent us from being a generous people. What happens if God doesn't show up tomorrow? Tomorrow? What happens if I have an extra medical bill? What happens if this happens? What if my car breaks down? I have to do this. I have to do this. Listen, we can talk ourselves out of generosity every single time. But every time we do, we are stealing from God himself. This is a concern for us. This should cause us to have a check because your generosity is based on your awareness of eternity. The more eternally focused you are, the more generous you will be. These two things are directly correlated to one another. Why do we sacrifice? Why do we give? Because lives are at stake to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why in Matthew 6, verse 20, it says, But instead, okay, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. This is the better treasure. This is the treasure that you and I have because Jesus Christ is our ultimate treasure, that we can have all trust, we can have all faith in Him. This is allowing us to be a generous people of God because we can trust our walk and our steps with Him. The way Jesus ends this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, so many times when we look at this verse that we can minimize it once again. There's no impact here. But this verse is actually a warning for us. That this is a verse of examination. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Lord is giving us a gift that you can follow. Okay, where. Is all of my treasure. And then you can know whether or not your heart is really aligned with the Lord or not. There are only two places for your heart to be it's either with the Lord or with the world. No one can serve two masters. Jesus says, where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. And so it's almost as if Jesus is begging. So look at where your treasure really is. Look at where all your time is being spent. Look at where all your finances are going. Look at where all of your resources are going. And are they investing in this side of eternity or the next? Where no moth can take, destroy, no rust can destroy, no thief can take it. Because God God himself is guarding your investment in eternity. Will you just bow your head and will you just close your eyes and just think through that truth? God, will you show us where our treasure really is so that I can know where my heart really is? You see, because God is not on the throne right now trying to figure out how Green Acres is going to meet budget. God is not on the throne right now trying to figure out how are we going to send the next mission team? How are we going to do kids camp? How are we going to do student camp? God is not on the throne trying to figure these things out. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The point is that God does not desire your money. He does not desire your time. He doesn't desire those things. He desires for you to be completely surrendered to him in all things. And maybe you have never trusted him to be your savior. Therefore, you cannot trust him with your finances. You can't trust him with your time. And maybe your first step today is to give your life to Jesus, to surrender your life to Jesus. Others of you in the room, maybe you just need to take that step of faith and surrender and truly trust Jesus with all that you have. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that is living and that is active in our lives. And we pray now, Father, that you would speak and stir that causes us to be more like your son, Jesus. God, thank you that you've allowed us to gather today on your day. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you for joining us today with our church family here at Green Acres of Church. And this invitation is for you. Maybe God is stirring in your heart right now from what you have heard. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe God is calling you right now for salvation. You know, the Bible is very clear that if we uh, confess with our mouth and if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so right now you could pray a very simple prayer and just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life and save me. If that's you today, we wanna help you and walk with you with this decision. Maybe for others of you, uh, maybe you've been saved, but maybe you've been waiting to get baptized. Uh, Maybe you need to figure out what it means to be a member of our church here at Green Acres. Whatever that decision is, we wanna come alongside you. And so do us a favor. You can fill out the connect card at gabc.org, and one of our team members will be with you very shortly. Whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, We want to walk with you in your growth in Jesus Christ. I look forward to hearing from you soon.